I love this time of year because we're all thinking about goals and priorities and what we want. But have you added take a vacation to the list? Because you should. And right now is the perfect time to plan your trip. And all you need is one website. Say hello to Expedia. One-stop shop for killer vacation planning. Expedia literally has every tool and everything you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a one key member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Have you ever heard about the Your Garage feature on cars.com? Here's how it works. You add your car to Your Garage to track its market value and cash in when the time is right to sell. Track both your car's historical, real-time, and projected value. And then when it's time to sell, easily secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hey, it's your friend Mel, and welcome to the Mel Robbins Podcast. I'm really excited that you tuned in today because I know you are going to love this episode. How can I say that? Well, let me tell you how I can say it. Because you have been asking, Mel, can we please get more advice on how you start a business? Give us more advice on how you lean into your ideas. And can you please bring us more stories about how a normal person with no prior experience can create a $100 million business? Well, today, I am delivering exactly what you asked for. I have another remarkable person here for you to meet. Her name is Allie Webb. She founded a little business here in the U.S. called Dry Bar. It's a blow dry bar where you go and you get a blowout in your hair. And she changed the beauty industry. And when she started this idea, she was a 32-year-old stay-at-home mom of two kids who had an itch to get out of the house. She was not looking to disrupt the beauty industry. She was not looking to create a $100 million brand. In her words, you know what she says? I had no business being in business. Well, let me tell you something. She's wrong and you're wrong. If you're telling yourself you have no business being in business, if you're telling yourself you don't have a good idea, you don't know what to do, I'm calling BS and I'm introducing you to Allie Webb, the founder of Drybar. That's not the only company that she has started. She has gone on to start multiple very successful companies. She has written a brand new book, The Messy Truth, How I Sold My Business for Millions But Almost Lost Myself, where she tells you the whole story of growing this $100 million business from scratch, the cost of it, the messy things behind, and most importantly, the very simple, actionable takeaways that are going to inspire you and get you started on whatever itch it is you need to scratch, whatever idea it is that you've been putting off, today is the day we stop thinking, we get messy, and we tell you the truth about why you, yes, you, have a $100 million idea in you, too. So please help me welcome Allie Webb to the Mel Robbins Podcast. I mean, it's just such an honor to be here. I can't believe it. Let me just start by saying one thing. I had no business being in business. Yeah. That's why I wanted to talk to you mm -hmm. because that is a story and a lot of women tell themselves that story. Mm -hmm. I have no business being in business. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to college. I didn't even graduate from high school. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm this. I'm that. I'm the other thing. And the truth is so many of the most successful people that we all admire had no business, quote, going in business because they didn't get an MBA. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you and have everybody hear your story is because so many people listening, 194 countries, so wow. many people listening or watching on YouTube have a desire to start something. Mm -hmm. And I want you to unpack the whole journey of how you went from a hairdresser that didn't go to college with three young kids who two. had no two young kids that have no business being in business. Yeah. Uh, building a hundred million dollar company. Yeah. But then there's also the 
the like behind the scenes stuff and like raising a family and going through divorce and your kid going through rehab and like the real messy stuff that happens because we don't we can't separate it all. I mean, it's 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 bananas. But I grew up in, you know, God bless my parents. My mom, my mom passed away about eight years ago. But it was like, we hope you marry well. You know, it was that I grew up in that generation of like, you know, we just were women weren't like it was like a man's world. I want you to put us at the scene. (laughs) So where were you in life Mm -hmm. when your life took a turn toward this small idea. What were you doing? How old were you? Yeah. Well, I I moved to New York City when I was about 18. I, I went to college like for a second and I was I was so lost. I was so lost. And the thing that kept coming back to me was like hair. It was right in front of me. I mean, I loved hair. I always loved hair. I would spend hours in the bathroom when I was in high school trying to figure it out. I was just, I was fascinated by it. And I was like, I think I want to go to beauty school. And my brother, when I, my brother was the first person I told I said, I think I want to go to beauty school. And he was like, I think you should. He's like, you're really good with people and you love hair. And I was like, I know. I should just do that. And I went, when I told my mom and dad, it was a very different conversation. They were like, really? You know, and it's like, I just knew that was the thing. That was right. the thing that I loved. And I think that we sometimes feel like it's not cool or it's not this or it's not that. So we don't want to do it. So we want to take this path that everybody like thinks we should take. It's right. Like, Screw that. Well, there's this whole uh, body of research uh, around if you lean into something you already love, whether it's video games or it's music, that you will be more successful because you will naturally want to spend more time working at it because you enjoy doing it. Yeah. So I should back up a little. I moved to New York City. I thought I wanted to do something in fashion. I ended up getting into hair and I met my now ex-husband Cameron, when we lived in New York, we got married. I was very, I'm very like driven when I want something and mm-hmm. I wanted babies. And I was like 27 <laughs> wanting kids. Really, really bad. I mean, I really wanted to have babies. There's and, nothing wrong with yeah, that. No, I think I that's like, a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I met Cam. I was jumping around from like career okay. to career like you do when you're waiting 20s. to have babies. Yeah. Waiting to find my okay. husband and have babies. Truly. I was like, I've always been a a big romantic and love, love and wanted kids and all that. So fantastic. We meet when I'm like 26, get married when I'm like 27, 28. It nice. all went very fast. And landed the a, plane. Yes, I landed the plane. Within a year, had our first. And we moved from New York City to LA. And I became a stay at home mom. And I just started to kind of, around the time where my kids were about two and four, I started to get the itch to do something for myself. And I was, I was probably around like, I don't know, 33 ish at the time. And because I had so much experience doing hair and blowouts and I was like, I don't want to go back to the salon and cut hair and do all that. And I was like, maybe I should start, I had just moved to LA and I was like, maybe I should start a mobile blowout business. I knew it was expensive to get a blowout in hair salons and it was like variable pricing, which drove me crazy because it's like, oh, for you, it'll be $50 and for your friend with the long thick hair, it'll be 120. You're like, you can't do that. Why? It's such a bait and switch because it says on the window, it's like $45 for a haircut or blowout. And then you go in and it's actually like, another 80 bucks. You're like, and then you're sitting in the chair and you have to look like the the idiot who's like, I don't want, I can't pay another $40. I just hated that whole, the, the gotcha. whole uncomfortableness. So there's a couple things I want to, I want to just tease out to make yes. sure that you got because Allie has already dropped major wisdom. I want you to notice that when she was talking about working in a salon, mm-hmm. When you talked about it, something in you lit up. Mm. You spoke faster. You were (laughs) impassioned. You were energized. And that's an important thing to highlight because for so many of you that listen, that are looking for that idea or wanting to do something more, one of the big things that you write about in this book is that it's typically right in front of you, Mm -hmm. that the things that you are energized by, that you would do all day long, that make you come alive, as dumb as it may sound, or as much as your family might poo-poo it, like, what, you're going to go to beauty school? What? Mm-hmm. That's really an important piece of data mm-hmm. when it comes to finding an idea or finding your calling. Yeah, I, I love that you pointed that out. When we started Drybar, 
I was itching to do something. I was like excited to get out of the house and like do something for myself. But when we like opened the door, I mean, even when we were in the planning phase, like I loved it. Like but I it couldn't work start, enough. But hold on a second. It did not start with a retail location. So I, I, I want I want to slow down real quick. Well, though. you're right. It started with the well, let's start with the mobile business. See, I, I'm right. Don't tell me it did not start with a retail Mel's business. Like, listen, listen, I know. I have the facts, woman, about your life. <laughs> but And I want to slow this down because your story is so accessible. Mm, you is. stop yourself over and over and over again. You think I should go to beauty school. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. So you don't do it. Then you think I love, but I love hair. And, and maybe I'll do something with hair. And they're like, no, 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 that's not enough. It's not this. And so mm-hmm. the ideas are all around you. What I want you to pay attention to as you listen to Ali tell the story is how one decision at a time, mm-hmm. instead of arguing against what she wanted, she simply was like, fuck it. Yeah. Okay, why don't I try it? Yeah. And so you're sitting there, you're in your 30s, you have two young kids, you are thinking, maybe I'll just start a mobile blow drying business. <laughs> Yeah. It literally was like one day dawned on me. I was like, I think I should do this. Put me at the scene. Like, where did you get the Baja? Like, so, I'm going to get my car and drive to people's houses and blow dry their hair for cash. Well, it's exactly what happened. I had just moved to L.A., you know, a few years before. And I met my my best friend, who's still my very best friend today, when our sons were babies. We met in a breastfeeding support group and we were inseparable and we had these babies and we were stay-at-home moms. And like, we were having the best time. And we both started to get the itch at the same time. She just had a knack for like planning parties and things. And so she wanted to get into like the party planning business. She ended up becoming a really big wedding planner and now does something else. That's a whole other story. At the time I was like, oh, that sounds fun. I'll help you with that. We started to do that. I did not really enjoy that. And I was like, no. And we were fighting and I was like, no, this isn't it. And, And I remember like we were sitting in my Santa Monica tiny apartment and Paige and I were sitting on, on the floor with our babies crawling around us. And I was like, you know, I I love you and I love that we were starting this business together, but I don't think it's the thing for, for me. I think I want to start a mobile blowout business. And by the way, she had curly hair too and used to always ask me to blow out her hair. And so she's like, I think that's a great idea. I was like, right? What year is this? This is um 2000 and I guess the boys were like three. And so I was like, I think, we were like, what do you think people would pay if I came to their house? I want to make this like people are actually going to call me. So because I nobody knew me, I was brand new to LA, and so I we were like maybe thirty five or forty bucks. And Paige was like, yeah, two twenties, easy peasy. I was like, two twenties, easy. You know, it's going to be a cash business. So I posted on like a Yahoo group, and I said, I'm a stay at home mom. I have two little boys. I'm a longtime hairstylist. I'm thinking of starting a mobile blow up business where I'll come to your house while your baby is sleeping and blow out your hair. And I'm going to only charge thirty five or forty bucks. Not a very sophisticated business plan. And sure enough, I started getting inundated with emails like, can you come over tomorrow? When can you come over? And I was like, God damn, I'll be there. You know, and so I didn't actually make any money because between gas and like, <laughs> I didn't make any money. But who cares? Because it led to dry bar, right? But at the time, I was so happy still because then I got like a big duffel bag together. I threw like all of my hair shit in a bag and I was like, okay, I'll be over. What did you do with the kids? I th- think one of my sons was in preschool then, a total wash money-wise, yep, but I yep. didn't care. And I was really just wanting the freedom to get out of the house for a little while and do something for myself and talk to adults and whatever. And I love doing hair. And so it was like a win-win-win for me, minus the money. So I start going to do women's ho- to women's hair. And another big key insight that I didn't realize I was learning while I was learning it was that I would usually go to these women's homes and be in like their living room or kitchens, rarely in someone's personal bathroom. You know, it's like they didn't know me. It wasn't like my I was their friend. Right. But I was a mom. So there was like a level of trust. But I would usually do their hair like in the living room. So not in front of a mirror. And that's the thing about dry bar, which, of course, you know, now is like dry, there's not mirrors in front of the stations at dry bar, which was such a massive learning for me from the mobile business, because I would go to a woman's house. She'd be sitting like at her like, you know, like this, like at her bar, at her kitchen. I'd blow dry her hair. So she wasn't micromanaging me, which as a hairstylist was awesome, because I was like, when I'm ready for you to see your hair, I'll tell you and you can get up and go look in a mirror. And that would happen. And then there would be this really amazing moment where she'd be like, oh, my God, I love it. And you'd hear the squeal. She'd be so happy. She felt so good. All this confidence, like, you know, erupted. And I was like, man, this is so great because not only do I like it as a hairstylist that I can just do my thing and right. work it out and make right. sure it looks good. And she doesn't have the pressure of staring. Who wants to stare at themselves in a mirror for 45 minutes? It's like as women, as humans, really, it's like you start dissecting yourself. Like, I look tired. Like, I don't like my, my nose looks like, what's up with that? Why am I wearing this? Like, all and the shit doing this with my hair right yeah, now? What's yeah. happening? I mean, yes. all the shit that we do, we 
just nitpick because we're staring at ourselves. You know, and I was like, okay. And when we started concepting Drybar, so many learnings from my mobile business came out, and that was a huge one. Um, How long did you do the mobile business before you're like, there's something here? Yeah. For about a, a, little, a little less than a year I, because I got so busy and I was like, I'm saying no more. Than, I'm starting to say no, no more than I'm saying yes because back to the kids, I could really only be out of the house for like four hours. Right. So I, had, I could only do like maybe three or four blowouts in that time if, if it worked out. Like because I was like in the Palisades and Brentwood and Santa Monica. And so I was like running around. And I couldn't do that many. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm saying no more. I'm like, that's not good. And then I was like, do I bring on more stylists like mobily and send them out? But then, I, then, then they're going to turn into their clients. And so I was like, that doesn't seem right either. And I couldn't control the experience. And that's when I went to my brother. And I was like, I feel like I should turn my mobile business into a brick and mortar. My brother's also bald and like a dude. And he was like, what? Why can't women blow out their own hair? And I'm like, no. I, I'm like, didn't you remember growing up with me and like the crazy, whatever. Yep. So, but I got him on board with it. And I said, I want to, I want to basically, instead of me going to them, them come to me. Like I want to open one little shop. And he, he was like, Okay. He knew I was having success in my mobile business that I was getting really busy. And I was like, Mike, I think if the price is right and the space is beautiful and really well run and I'd worked in hair salons, like I knew enough to make it great, I felt. So when I went to Michael and I said, I want to do this, and he was like, Hmm. And it was so cool because it was such a level set of skills because Michael was always like really good student, just naturally really book smart and whatever. And I wasn't. But now here I'm coming with this like, I know this business and you don't. So you need to learn this part from me and I need to learn that part from you. And right. so that was this beautiful merge of, of us coming together. And and I was like, I, I know I need help running this business, but I also know I know how to run a salon because I'd worked at many salons as like the assistant to owner. So I saw all all of it, like the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that happens in hair salons. What I think is really interesting about what you're sharing is that you are describing what we often forget when we are wanting to start something. We tell ourselves, oh, well, I don't have this experience or I'm not the business person. But the truth is the fact that you were inside of salons and you worked for other people and you saw, as you said, the good, the bad, the ugly and everything, it helped you make decisions about what you didn't want to do. And that's a really important part of learning and of the experience that you brought to the table. And so these are great nuggets that you're sharing. And I want to hear more about how you started, ran and sold this insanely successful business without a college degree, without any business experience and with little kids at home. And later in the show, you know what I really want to get into? I want to get into the messy part, how this came at a cost and what happened in your personal life as your success grew. So stay with us. As a business-to-business -business marketer, your needs are unique. B2B buying cycles are long, and your customers face incredibly complex decisions. Isn't it time you had a marketing platform built specifically for you? LinkedIn Ads empowers marketers like you with solutions for you and your customers. LinkedIn Ads allow you to build the right relationships, drive results, and reach your customers in a respectful environment. You'll have direct access to and build relationships with decision makers, a billion members, 180 million senior level executives, and 10 million C-level executives. You'll be able to drive results with targeting and measurement tools built specifically for B2B. In technology, LinkedIn generated two to five times higher return on ad spend than any other social media platforms. You'll work with a partner who respects the B2B world you operate in, 79% of B2B content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mel to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mel. Terms and conditions apply. The Mel Robbins podcast is proudly sponsored by Amica Insurance, our exclusive insurance partner. Amica understands how important it is to protect the things that matter most to you. So they'll put in the time to make sure you're taken care of, whether it's talking through all the details of your policy or following up after a claim. Your auto, home, and life insurance are more than just policies. They're protection for the life you've built. As Amica says, empathy is our best policy. Go to amica.com and get a quote today. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and you can't get a hold of anyone. 
If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back. I'm Mel Robbins, and I'm so thrilled that you're here with me. And I know that when you listen to this show, you are taking time for yourself and you're taking time to learn. And today you're learning from Allie Webb. She is the founder of the $100 million business success called Drybar. And we were just talking about how absolutely everything that happens when you start something is teaching you along the way. And Allie All of the failures and the things that have happened were preparing you to be at the helm of this amazing company that you created. Yeah, I really believe everything I did in my life uniquely prepared me to sit at the helm of a blow-dry empire. Un- un- unequivocally. I mean, the... <laughs> that is a hilarious sentence. Can, can, can I just say that? A blow-dry empire. It's what dry bar is. A blow-dry is empire. That is incredible. Like, because I, I don't think anybody would wake up and go, you know, know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a blow-dry empire. I, me either. But I'm just, you know, it was like working in PR, working at hair salons. And I really did see, I, there was so much I loved about hair salons, and there was a lot that I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like the cutthroatness of it. I didn't like it was like the eat what you kill environment. I didn't like the like, I'm not going to, I don't want to wash your hair. Like, there was a lot I didn't like about it. And I was like, I don't. I don't want that. That's not what Dry Bar is going to be about. Like, I want this happy, we all are in this together, kumbaya, which was not what hair, what, you just don't see that in hair salons. And we had so many stylists. I mean, gosh, at, at, at the height of Dry Bar, I mean, probably even today, there's over 5,000 stylists that work for Dry Bar. And, you know, there was always this sense of, I, I can't tell you how many stories I'd hear from stylists who would come in and be like, oh, my boss is like doing drugs in the back and nobody's nice to me and I hate it there. And I mean, story after story after story, like there's just this weird, not not all, and I want to be like cognizant to not say not all hair salons are like that. And there's a lot of really great ones, but there is a lot of stories. I mean, not stuff that I actually experienced myself, but just stories that I heard from stylists about how they were treated and how, you know, it's a hard business. And, you know, for us, we wanted to make it not like that. We wanted it to be like, you know, the way the dry bar structure was set up was that we were paying people like they were they were paid hourly and then they would get their tips so it wasn't like a uh, like a chair rental the way it typically is and and I that was an intentional decision because I wanted people to feel like they were part of something that it wasn't like you're just coming in to see you know hairstylist Mel you're coming in to dry bar to get a great blowout and the big like reason this thing would work is because you could sit in anybody's chair potentially and get a great blowout it might not be the exact way that Mel does it that you love but you'll sit in Allie's chair and you'll be like oh this isn't like what I would have got, but I kind of like it, you know, because I always feel like, again, I, I take this hairstyling stuff obviously very seriously, I but I feel like, you know, people don't always know what they want until you show them, you know, far be it for me to compare us to like the iPhone, you know, but we didn't know we needed iPhones, you know, and then we got them and we're like, of course we needed iPhones. And it's like, again, it's lofty, but I think that like, you know, a woman comes in and she always gets her hair blown this way. It's and true. I'm like, Just show her. You're the hairstylist. Just show her a little something, a little different. And then she'll be like, oh, my God, I love it. And it happened. It would happen all the time. You know, so I'm like, we. it's our job as the hairstylist, the innovator, the leader in this situation to show women. And if she doesn't like it, she doesn't like it. We'll redo it. Whatever. You know, it's like we're not cutting her hair off. You know, it's not surgery. And so that was, you know, I felt really strongly about all of that. And, and it really was like, again, you know, it was like... I, You're going to make so much fun of me. Like I used to say, we're we're not, you know, we're changing the world one blowout at a time. And I really felt like that. I mean, the, the, the change you would see in women was unbelievable. Well, I think when you feel good about how you look, yeah. there is absolute irrefutable research about how yes. it impacts your confidence. No question. There, Someone came, did an article. I think it was Marie Claire. It was, you know, back when magazines were still popular. And uh, I was actually a friend of mine who wrote the, the story. It was called The Psychology of a Blowout. And she sat in dry bar for eight hours and she watched the behavior of how women walked in and how they walked out. And I, t- I mean, Mel, it, it's astounding. You'd see the way a woman would walk in, like very serious, usually a hat on, like, you know, head down, business, like serious. 
And I kid you not, there were times when, when women would walk out because I was in the shop 24-7. I was like, I didn't see that woman come in. And they're like, yeah, you did. She came in an hour. And I was like, I, no, I didn't see her because I didn't recognize her because she looked so different. I mean, her hair looked different. Her hat was off. But there was like this like lightness and this pep in her step. And that's when I was also like, OK, we're not selling blowouts. We're selling happiness and confidence. Like we are so on to something like this is not about hair anymore. You know, it was like this was about the psyche of like the way women were feeling. And that's why it got so massive, in my humble opinion. One thing that I just can't, I can't underscore enough is the example that you are giving to the person listening on passion. Mm. And there's a couple things I want to point out here. And it's this, first and foremost, passion, I have always defined as just energy, anything that energizes yeah. you. And there is no doubt <laughs> that blowouts and hair and happiness, <laughs> that that brings so much passion and energy into your life. You can feel it. It like vibrates off you as you talk. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing I want to say about that. Passion is so personal because I don't give a shit about blowouts, honestly. Like, I, I literally, I, there is no way I could have built this business. I can't manufacture passion into of it. Of course, of course. And so I say that yeah. because I think we're always looking for some big idea or for that person that's listening it. that's like, yeah. I, I, I have the itch. I know what she's talking about. I have this itch to do something bigger, but I don't know what bigger is. I want to keep pointing you back to the example that Allie is giving us. What do you talk about all the time? What would you do that that if you could just do this and your bills were taken care of, you would do this all the time? And don't tell me you'd lay on your ass on a beach and drink margaritas because that would be fun for about a week. And then you'd be like, OK, got to scratch the ish because this is not doing anything. But so you open this first location, your bald brother becomes your partner. <laughs> it ultimately goes on mm -hmm. and becomes this massive business. Mm -hmm. And I would love to have you talk a little bit about some of the really hard moments before we get into the advice for someone listening around how to get started yeah. and what have you learned through this whole process. The learning is endless and it's like daily, truly. It's like a laundry list of mistakes that I made. Michael and I ended up personally guaranteeing that loan, which was kind of the um, the lease. It was also in 2010, so it was in the middle of a recession, and the landlord was like, "What? What is this? Like, blow it? Like, what? Is it a bar? Because it looks like a bar, you know." Right. I realized, like, I didn't want hairstylists to bring in their own shit when they came into to our shop. I wanted to provide all the blow dryers. I'm going to provide all the brushes. Everything you need, you don't bring any of your stuff here. And stylists were like, what? But I like this brush. And I was, I was like, I hear you, but no, you're not. You know, Some stylists were like, no, I, we're really annoyed about that. And I was like, I get it, but no, I want I want this place to look a certain way. I want every station to feel and look a certain way. I want this, I want you guys to know how to do the Cosmo, the Mai Tai, because you know, all of our hairstyles are named after drink, which, by the way, was another <laughs> thing that my brother like was like, that's so cheesy. We're not, we shouldn't name the hairstyles after drinks. I was like, yes, we should. Because because women are going to come in and they're like, I want a Cosmo, which is like our messy, you know, our, our curls and the, the Mai Tai was like our messy beachy look. I was like, I guarantee you women are going to love this. And they did. And women would always come in like, I think I want the Mai Tai. I mean, without fail. It was huge. And it was Michael was like, I don't think people are going to want this. But, but you know what I mean? It's like everything was a decision. One of the big ones that I t I've talked about quite a bit is that if you've ever called Dry Bar to make an appointment, we don't have the phones inside the shops. We, in the first day, the first week, the, the phones were ringing off the hook, which was amazing. I mean, great problem to have. The shop was crazy, busy. And we had the phone up at the front desk, but it's loud. The music's loud, which is part of the ambiance. There's, you know, there's flat screen TVs playing like Devil Wears Prada. There's blow dryers going and there's women talking, but it's fun. It's like a party. It's a club, basically, which, you know, is like a controlled chaos, but it was so fun. The energy was so good. But then the phone's ringing. And so a woman who's coming in to check in or a woman who's leaving, and then there's a person on the phone, like, that's a trifecta that doesn't work. And I was like, I, I don't want to be that business. I don't want to be like, excuse me, like the, fi the finger up, like, give me right. a second. Like, oh, I hated that. I was like, we're not doing that. But the phone's ringing, which is good because people are trying to make appointments. And I was like, stop answering the phone. We'll let it go to voicemail and we'll call them back, which is a 
kind of crazy decision to make when you've just opened a business. We're like, oh, we're not going to answer our <laughs> phones. But I was like, we can't answer our phones because what is most important here is is the women who are in the shop right. having the experience, giving us their and money. wanting to come back. And wanting to come back. So I was like, I let it go to voicemail. And at the end of the night, we will call everybody back, which was like a disaster and such a pain. But was what was the alternative? So then we realized we had to pull the phones out of the shop. We basically started hiring people to answer the phones outside the shops, like in the in the quietness of their living room. Now we're in like, we're, we're dealing with this company that we have to get the phone business. Like we're in the call center business now, which was like, what are we doing here? But we had to have people answer the phones outside the shops. And then it as we grew, and there's 150 locations, now it was like a real call center. So we had hundreds of people on the phone because, mind you also, you can book on an app and you can book like on your computer, but 50% of the clientele, which is over millions, like want to call on the phone, which is like to me. I'm I like, want to call. I'm I, a caller. See, I'm not. I, I'm a caller. You're not my favorite kind of person in that regard. That's okay. I'm I, willing to not be your favorite I person. I was like, please just just go online. I don't want to. It's I complicated. Because they're like, I want to talk and I want to find out. But it was annoying. And it was like a damned if you do and damned if you don't situation because you're like, hi, I want to call. And I had that girl last time and blah, blah, blah. But the girl on the phone doesn't totally know that, which wasn't great. But it was like, again, the alternative. And so anyways, I mean, it was just like thing after thing after thing. Like, that, that you just deal with when you're running a business. I mean, we had like the first like month of dry bar, we were, we were underneath a restaurant and like we're doing blowouts. It's super busy. It's popping. And I started to see like this like black goop come through our very white, beautiful tiles. What? Black goop? Goop. Like super. I didn't know what it was. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. What is that? What is that? I'm watching it. And all of a sudden, Mel, I swear to God, it was like, it started dripping, dripping. And then it breaks through the ceiling and it's like this I don't know what it is Ew. it wasn't it wasn't like that it was like some sort of sewage oh from some sort of sewage not that sewage, sounds pretty not, disgusting not in a sewage. it was like something from like the restaurant it was like food oh it was disgusting it's like the waste trap it was I know something. it was gross but here's the funniest part of that story is it like came down at like right in front of the first chair so it didn't actually hit anybody thank god and like everyone kind of like looked the shop was completely booked solid packed people waiting <laughs> and the people like look over it at it and they're like huh and then, then move their chair over. Like, can you can you keep going? Like the woman who was getting her hair blown out. Net, net, I was like, it, nobody skipped a beat. And I was like freaking out because the ceiling just caved in. And I had to go figure out how to get that fixed and whatever. But I, I was like, well, let's, let's clean it up and keep going. I mean, it was just it was so crazy. It's just like there's so many stories like that. And that's really a lot of what's in the book is like there was so much awesomeness. And we felt like we were on this rocket ship. And like this thing had taken off in front of our eyes. And it was so busy. And, and it was like, you know, we were like the hot club that you couldn't get into. We were just figuring it out. I mean, we used to spend, this is embarrassing. We used to spend like probably like an hour a night after we closed the shop, like physically counting the money. And it was always wrong. And we were like, why can't we figure this out? I mean, it was just like, man, you know, it was just like, there was probably so many somebody things. was stealing from I you. I know, I'm sure. We, we, that's we, why we the books were not reconciling. We eventually went off of cash because, yeah, that's a whole other. I mean, it was just like, you know, you name it, we had a problem or something we had to figure out about How it. long ago did you sell? In 2020, so about three years ago. So I want to jump into some of the lessons. Yeah. Okay. And we've covered a lot of them, that your best idea is going to come from something that you loved as a childhood. Just start somewhere is another one that you talked about. We're all imposters. We we both get a lot of questions about imposter syndrome. What do mm -hmm. you say to people when they say, but I feel like an imposter? Great. What do you mean great? Like good. It means you're doing something that you haven't done before. Like that's awesome. You know, I think it's funny, the whole like negative connotation on imposter syndrome. It's like, oh, because you're stepping into a role of something that you don't know and that you don't, you're potentially not good at and you've never done before. Good for you. Like, I think you should be excited about that. I think it should be celebrated. Like, I've always kind of like tiptoed into most jobs I've ever had, like not really knowing and figuring it out. And there's something really exciting and fun to me about that. It's funny because I like that so much in business, not so much in my personal life. I kind of want to know what's happening. But in business, I loved like not knowing what was coming next and like all the excitement around figuring out so many things. I went on QVC and that was scary because you're on live TV. You can't say bad words and you can't <laughs> say a lot of things. And I was so scared, but I loved the feeling of like, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to I'm going to do it, you know? I felt like an imposter, sure. Like, I'd never done it before. I'd never been on live TV right. before, but I was up for the challenge. So the title of the book is The Messy Truth, though. Messy so let's truth. talk about the messy part. Mm -hmm. Because all this came at a very big cost. Yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of costs along the way. All right, so let's talk about it. Well, you know, gosh, where to start? Your marriage. 
<laughs> I'm actually serious. Let's start with your marriage. And this isn't funny. And I really don't want you to be embarrassed to talk about this because so many people, Allie, can learn from the mistakes that you made. And I'm glad that you're willing to talk about them. Because you know what I find really interesting about you, Allie, is the fact that your superpower in business, it's trusting your gut. And you were so decisive with so many decisions when it came to dry bar, from the colors to no phones ringing to the stylists can't bring their tools to naming the hairstyles after drinks. I mean, it seems like in every circumstance, you just knew and you just did it. And yet, time and time again in your personal life, when you knew something wasn't right, you just ignored it. And that's what led to the mess. And the first mess that you write about is your first marriage. And we're going to get into those messy details when we return. So stay with us. I am so excited that Cozy Earth is one of the sponsors of the Mel Robbins podcast because they have really changed my life. I used to wake up every morning exhausted because I never could get a great night's sleep. And I always blamed it on the fact that menopause, anxiety, my to-do list, my husband, whatever it was. Who knew that my sheets could also be contributing to my bad sleep? But all that changed with Cozy Earth. Now I'm waking up feeling refreshed, well-rested, and amazing. Even though my to-do list is still long, I'm getting a great night's sleep. All thanks to the soft and buttery smooth bedding from Cozy Earth. In fact, research shows that breathable fabrics when you sleep cools you down, which is essential for a great night's sleep. Want to rest easy on vacay? Take a trip to CozyEarth.com slash Mel Robbins. Then type in code Mel Robbins at checkout and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. That's promo code Mel Robbins for 35% off. After placing your order, choose podcast in the survey after ordering and then the Mel Robbins podcast from the drop-down menu. Thanks and happy sleeping. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. So one of our sponsors is Quince. And I love Quince, but Lynn on our team came roaring into the Boston studios today and you were wearing a brand new cashmere sweater from Quince. Why do you love it? I love everything about that sweater. I don't want to take it off. It feels so comfy and cozy. I feel like I'm wearing a cloud, literally. And can we talk about the fact that it was $50? When you get it, you're going to be like, wait a minute, this is a $500 sweater. Yeah. This is not bargain shopping. This no. is getting something that is luxurious and fabulous because you deserve that, but at an awesome price. And here's what I also love about it. Even though it's getting warm, I still love a cashmere sweater because they're breathable, they're soft, they're fabulous. And even in warm weather, you need something for a cool night. And Lynn, if you love their cashmere, wait till you pair it with a pair of their linen pants. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Mel for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Mel to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Mel. Welcome back. It's your friend Mel. And today you are learning from Allie Webb. She is the founder of the $100 million brand Drybar. And she's released a book. And the title is The Messy Truth. And we're going to get into the messy part because what's interesting about Allie's story is that she really trusted her gut when it came to business. And she was super decisive and she knew what she wanted. And yet, when it came to her personal life, most of the messes were the result of not trusting your gut. So Allie, let's start with your first marriage that ultimately ended in divorce. What happened? So I met Cam, like I said, when we were pretty young. We lived in New York City. And I, as I mentioned, I was pretty driven to find the husband and make the babies, which I did. And, and Cam's an amazing man. And we had a beautiful friendship, really, which which I now, in retrospect, realize was my parents' marriage, which is like crazy how you don't realize that until afterwards. My parents got divorced when they were in their 50s and turned out they didn't have a great marriage and they were, but they were best friends. They also built a business together. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is like a carbon copy. Cam and I built Dry Bar together along with my brother. 
And, you know, for years, I was How just, was that on your marriage to well, be business partners? You know, I think it was like the third kid. You know, it was like there was Grant, then there was Kit, and then there was Drybar. And and it was this beautiful company that we built, and it was so exciting, and we were so enamored with this company, just like you are with the child. And Cam, you know, had his lane and like, the creative part. I had my lane in, like, the hair and the shops, and Michael was doing, like, the more the business behind-the-scenes stuff. And we had this, like, we had fun. It was so fun. And so— we just, I, it really had nothing to do with Drybar. Like, I think actually Drybar probably kept us together because we didn't have, I didn't have like the passion I needed to have in a marriage. But I was like, I made this decision. I'm going to stick with it. I, I decided to marry this man. I'm going to stay in this marriage. And I knew it wasn't right. I was like, I don't think this is, mm, you know, and I was, and I also was like, I mean, this is very TMI, but I was like, I maybe I just don't like sex. Like, we just didn't have that kind of relationship. And I knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't right deep down. And I just couldn't bring myself to do anything about it really until like I did. But I found myself being like, you know, starting to inch towards the path of like having an emotional affair. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do that. And so, you know, we, we, the writing was on the wall. Like Cam and I, Cam even like would joke around, like once the kids leave, you know, maybe we'll, we'll break up then. And I was like, well, I don't know what, if that's the plan, like, let's just do it now. How long was it like that for you guys? Because, you know, when my husband and I worked together when my business first started, it nearly was the death of our marriage. Yeah. No question. Like we, it, all we talked about was either the kids or the business. Yeah. There was no marriage. Yeah. And we are very, very good at doing things and getting through a to-do list. Yeah. And there was literally no marriage. Yeah. In terms of he and I having our own emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And so we tried it and it was disastrous. Yeah. And so I am just curious, like, what was it like for you guys, and how long was it, Jordan, of just you guys were business partners and you both knew that that was the one thing other than your two children that was keeping this together? I mean, we knew the whole time, truly. I don't think it was the business. I can see, makes sense what you're saying, but even, I mean, Cam tried to call the wedding off a month before the wedding. Really? Mm -hmm. What I was know. that like? Well, I was like, Absolutely not. We are getting married. This is, you know, the venue's booked. My parents did it. Like, I was like, I was like, and, and like, I can't. And now the person that I am is like, oh my God, of course he was right. We shouldn't have gotten married. I mean, my boys are just the greatest humans ever. And I, I can't, I mean, gosh, you know, it's like, you can't imagine they're your children. And then we built this amazing business and I, I don't, I really don't regret it, but like, we shouldn't have gotten married. I think I was like, I don't want to I don't want to like go back to the drawing board. I don't want to start dating again. I don't want to be alone again. Like, let's just go. You know, it was like so crazy of me. But I knew we shouldn't have gotten married either. But we were, I really liked him. I loved him. Like we were best friends. You know, all my relationships up to that point, after like six months or so, the kind of passion I thought wore off anyway. So I was so like- So wait, you guys were together, you got married, and after six months, you never had sex again? We didn't never have sex, but not often. Define not often. I mean, just like once a year? Not once a year. We did. It well, just, I'm just looking for well, a baseline for myself. I mean, Here, what? Here's the thing, though. And, and, and again, I didn't really have much to compare it to. And, you know, this is obviously like a pretty tender subject. But when I met my second husband and I was like, whoa, we had sex like every day, multiple times a day. And I was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. And I was like, this was not my marriage. This was not my first marriage. And so I was like, holy shit. And I, I, I instinctively knew in somewhere in, in my body, in my mind, that like, I don't think this is the way it's supposed to be with my first marriage. And yeah. so I went looking again. I was like on a mission. I was like, I'm going to go figure this out. Like, do I, am I asexual or do I just am not with the right person? Like, what's the deal here? And so I ended my marriage, my first marriage. And I, <laughs> but three weeks later, I was dating and I was like, you know, experimenting. Wait, three weeks, <laughs> hold on, three weeks after you said I want a divorce or three weeks after the divorce was like no, final? three weeks after I said I wanted a divorce. It okay. Was very fast and furious. But I was like, you know, in this like, nothing going on marriage for a long time. Yes. I was a disaster. It was like I was, I was a 
a disaster. But I was like, I want to go see what's out there. And, you know, you're allowed to experiment. I did. And that's what I did. And I and I very quickly realized, like, I don't I was like, I'm not I'm not going to get married again. I'm just going to like date until it like wears off and then I'll do whatever. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. But then I did, you know, I did date a lot. And I realized I, I think I want to be in a partnership. I don't think I want to just be dating. And so and then I met Adrian and we fell in love very fast and furious. And it was like, you know, we were together five months before COVID hit. And then it was like, then the relationship got very fast tracked. And then that was caused a lot of problems, which would, you know, ultimately cause the demise of that marriage, you know, which I haven't talked about publicly until this moment, which is like a little weird because I think that I think I have so some the first time you're talking publicly about mm-hmm. divorcing your yeah. second husband. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's like a little bit of embarrassment, if I'm being really honest, because and it's funny because I know at the start of this, we talked about like, I don't really care that much about people think. However, I like paraded my second marriage around like a trophy. You know, it was like we had these like Instagram lives where we would talk about marriage Mondays and we would have this thing fight for love. And it was like, I don't know. It's not that I don't believe that it was true. And I do we were, I do really think we were in love. There was just things that made it and that that I won't talk about that are, that were made it just not possible the marriage wasn't going to work and I jumped into it again you know I jumped into this marriage that had some things in it that weren't right for me and had things in it that weren't right for him and for me which I can obviously only talk about my side of it is like I was like oh my god <laughs> sex with this man all the time. This must be love, you know? And so that was like my guiding light. I didn't pay attention to all the other things that weren't right and didn't line up. And these other things that don't really work, eh, they'll work themselves out. Now I realize like I got, you know, really sideswiped by the, by this like passion and love. And then we rushed into, you know, marriage and blending a family is like not easy. I mean, it's rough. You know, it just, it comes with a lot of complications of like, you know, navigating a lot, you know, and trying to like, you know, love somebody else's children, have them love yours. And like, how does it all fit together? And um, it's funny now in retrospect, like when I think back on it and I think about things I wish I had done differently and things I had, wish I had noticed and, and him too, I think he would say that like, we didn't, we should have paid more attention and closer attention to like what wasn't right for both of us, which Mm. we didn't. What did you learn from this or what do you wish you had done differently that you feel comfortable talking about? I wish I had like, uh, what's the word? Um, I was going to say like, not stood up for myself. Like I wish I had more agency. I knew it wasn't right. I got so swept away. And I think I do this in relationships. Like I get very enmeshed. You know, you know, Runaway Bride, the movie. Mm -hmm. And you know how like that there's like kind of a famous scene where she's like, I don't know how I like my eggs. Like I like my eggs the way he likes his eggs. You know, it's like you become so enmeshed in the men that you're with and then you lose yourself. And I'm like, I really do that, you know, and and now I feel like I at least I know that. And there's like this awareness that next time, next relationship, like I'm going to go in with like. These are the things that are important to me. These are like the non-negotiables for me. And if they aren't there, historically, I'd be like, it's okay. We'll be okay. We'll figure it out. Like, because I'm such a like back to business. I'm such a like jump and then go figure it out. Like, I, you know, I, you you figure it out as you go. You don't have to have all the answers, which is very true of business. You don't, you know, and, and I'm not saying you have to have all the answers in a relationship, but you do have to have like the same. Well, here, here's the thing I, I would point out, because uh, first of all, I think it's pretty awesome that you're willing to talk very openly about something that is just unfolding and that you're willing to reflect on your part in this. Yeah. And I think the the, the interesting thing about this is that the difference between a business is that you can jump full force into a business and let it be your identity. Mm-hmm. When you do that in a relationship, it's really hard to find yourself again and your okayness with 
exactly who you are and who you're not and what you've done and what you haven't and what you've been extraordinary at and what you've really fucked up mm. and being okay with all of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've, I've been on the floor the last few months, you know, and it's like, it was such a, oh my God, like, oh my God. Was it worth it? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, there's still grief and oh, it I'm still sure. hurts. You're and, not even done with the divorce yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but I already can feel this like sense of like, I'm on getting to the other side. Um, if you had one piece of advice, because a lot of people jump from a relationship or a marriage right into another one. <laughs> Having crashed and burned, <laughs> if you had one piece of advice that you learned the hard way to anyone jumping into a relationship, particularly where the new partner has kids, mm -hmm. what's one piece of advice that you learned that you would do totally differently or you caution somebody, don't ever do this? This is like advice I'm giving myself is like, don't be so afraid to be alone that you're going to just end up in a relationship that isn't the right relationship for you. And don't rush into it. I mean, I've rushed into every, I've rushed into every single thing ever in my life, you know, and I think, you know, I know this won't sound like much to you, but having been like single for almost five months now is a long time for me. Like I've not been single for that long in a, since I was like 26 years old, really. Does single mean like alone or single mean just like not dating? Like not dating, you know, and, and I'm inching towards that because I'm going to move slow. Why do you need to be in a relationship? Dude, think, you are you are months out of and not even done with a divorce. You have gajillions of dollars. <laughs> you have a propensity to jump into something because it's passionate. There is nothing more addictive than hot sex with a new person. Uh-huh. <laughs> If I, I mean, if I were your therapist, which I am not, if I if I could wave a magic wand, I'd be like, Allie Webb shall never get married again. Well, that's probably true. I don't yes. know that I'll ever get married and again. And I'm like, why do you need a boyfriend right now? Get a vibrator and get your shit together. <laughs> I mean, listen. Like, literally, you are a successful, uh, badass <laughs> businesswoman who does not, not need a saying, fucking guy. I'm not saying I need a boyfriend right yes, now. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It, this tells me. If you are starting to inch toward, and I'm getting heated because I, I, you should not be dating people. You cannot trust yourself and you do not need to be in a relationship. And now I'm talking to you like a girlfriend <laughs> who literally keeps doing the same shit over and over again. I hear you. And I, you know, and I don't know. I mean, listen, I hear you. I don't know. Don't be calling me when you are like, I did it again. I, I Trust me, I am not jumping back into a relationship. I'm just. I don't believe you. I, I'm, I'm not. There's no relationship on the table. There's nothing to speak of right now. Truly. But you're having sex with people. No, I haven't had sex with anybody. I, okay. I swear to God. Okay. Okay. I I'm, haven't even, I'm only I haven't even gone on a date with okay, anybody. Good. You said you were inching I was toward it. starting to talk to people. Don't talk to people. I, you're not well, ready. You're not on the market. <laughs> No, no. You got to do a book tour. You have to get your shit in order. You have to take care of yourself. You, in my opinion, need a year of being See, I know. Solo. I mean, listen, I hear that that's like everybody says that like you need a year. I don't know that I totally agree with that. I'm saying I need time and I'm not going to jump back into a relationship. I'm not going to get married again. I'm, I know a lot of red flags, but I also like I'm going to just see what happens. I really love a partner. I really like, I do want it like a partner. You have your brother and no. your ex-husband as business partners. I know, but okay, I hear you. And and I, it's so interesting because I know I, it's amazing to me how much you're pushing back on this. Because just stop for a second. You were in a marriage that almost got called off a month beforehand. That's true. And you're admitting that you knew in your heart you were with the wrong person. And yes, 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 you have two amazing kids out of it. That is absolutely true. But you knew in your heart that you shouldn't get married and you jumped into it anyway. And the fact is, I don't think you have enough time from this second divorce. See, here's what you're doing. Everybody does this, right? You are in so much pain that you just rush past the lesson in the whole thing and you need to stop you need to be still and you need to learn the lesson. 
I, I hear you. We'll see. I want the best for you. I I know, and, and I want the best for me too. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go at the pace that feels right for me. And I don't I don't think there's like a it has to be a year. It has to be six months. It has to be five years. Like I'm gonna see where it lands for me. Okay. I'm gonna be cautiously optimistic about whatever's next. Okay. I'm nervous <laughs> on your behalf. Don't I be. do want to ask you because we had only met online, mm-hmm. and. A couple months ago, I got a text from you, and I just want to read it to you. Oh, God. Because it was just a short—you probably don't even remember sending this to me because you oh, were no. in a— We may have to cut this out. No, no, no. It's okay. It's it's not—it's a short text. I just wanted to ask you why, like, what it was about—it's um, very, very, very short text. I'm not going to read any of our longer texts. <laughs> you texted me. And said, and we had never met in like person. Like out of the blue? This is an out of the blue text? Pretty much. Like we had we had I texted back and forth about Instagram. business. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden in May, you texted me, dear Mel, my husband of one year just asked me for a divorce and I'm beside myself with grief. I have a feeling you might have some wisdom here. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was... A very brave thing to do, hmm. to reach out in a moment like that to somebody that you hadn't met and that doesn't know the story or anything, and just ask for advice. Mm-hmm. And I just was curious about that moment for you. I had watched a lot of your stuff, and I, I felt like, I don't know, you know, I, I get these like hits of like intuition, I guess, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, I think I just have a feeling based on a lot of the things that I've seen that you post that you talk about, like, I feel like Mel would have some really, and you did, you had such fucking good advice. You know, it's like a drawbridge reference that you, Mm -hmm. and I, and it stuck with me. And I just, I just instinctively knew I had a feeling you would just, you would respond because you were really kind online and you just seem really kind in real life. If you didn't respond, like, Okay, no problem. You know, and you you were really gracious and responded to me and have, you know, became really helpful and 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 by the way that is a big piece of advice I give to people in the in the business realm of like it the worst they can say is no or they don't respond. Mm-hmm. No one's going to die, you know. And so that's kind of I think how I approach that of like let me just see. I bet I bet she's got some really great advice and you did. Well, I think sometimes it's easier to talk to people who aren't involved. That's true. You know, because you don't feel the judgment and you don't feel like you have to manage how I'm going to feel about it. That's true. Well, I like the fact that you showed up here, that (laughs) you were willing to talk about the messy stuff. And it's also a cautionary tale about how it's easy to lose yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, really proud of you for the work that you're doing because you got it fucking nailed in business. Thank you. But I'm really happy that you are now starting to own the more important piece, mm-hmm. which is your well-being mm-hmm. and your happiness as a whole person. Yeah, that's the goal. Allie Webb, you're amazing. <laughs> thank you. This was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I really want to thank Allie Webb for showing up for you and me today because she wasn't sure she was going to talk about what was going on in her second marriage. And here's the thing that I've noticed is that it is very easy to show up and talk about the wins in your life. I mean, everybody wants to go on a podcast and explain the story behind the big business or the big success. But what I really want to applaud is the fact that she was willing to talk about something that she is processing right now. She's not on the other side of this thing. She was processing it in real time with you. And in fact, this podcast was the very first place that she talked about it publicly. Why? Well, because she trusts me and she trusts you. She knows that this is not a gotcha podcast or some sort of celebrity sting podcast. She knows that the whole point is for us to use her experience as a way for us all to learn, right? I mean, that's why we're here. That's why you listen. You listen to take time for yourself. You listen in order to learn things to improve your life. And so... I got to give a huge shout out to Ali Webb for going there with us. And I also want to give you a huge shout out. I mean, whether you got the inspiration that you needed to trust your instincts in business, or maybe 
Maybe you got the reminder that when you know deep down that a relationship isn't working, it's not right for you, you got the reminder that you need that no matter how scary it is, you need to listen to it. And you know that tough love that I gave to Allie? Mm-hmm. Maybe you needed to hear it today. Or maybe you got a friend who needs to hear that. And so share it with them. And I'm taking away this. Do not rush past the lessons. Do not rush past the pain. When you're in the middle of processing a mess in your life, it is not the time to hit the accelerator. It is the time to slow down. Slow down and be still. Because it's only in slowing down and turning toward it and being still that you will learn what you need to learn. And if you don't learn what you need to learn and you race right past this, you're just going to keep on making the same messes over and over and over again. And finally, before I forget, I want to make sure to tell you, in case nobody else does, that I love you and I believe in you. And I believe in your ability to create a better life. Now go do it. I'll see you in a few days. Hey, it's your friend Mel, and welcome to the Mel Robbins Podcast. So at the very... Okay, that's our shitty first draft. Here we go. Remember, I got to... Okay. In order to get started on some big idea that you may have or some itch that you're looking to scratch. All right, let me start all over. Here we go again. Um, uh, whatever that itch is, scratch it. Whatever that idea is, don't poo-poo it, lean toward it. And mm, don't, do you laughing at my poo-poo? <laughs> Lots of farts today. Scratching, <laughs> Scratching itching, pooping. Somebody get the preparation H. Well, it's someone's life story where, okay, I'm not lying. I, I had it really good. It was like, what did I say? All right, let me do one more to see if I can get it tighter. Okay, good enough. Oh, and one more thing. And no, this is not a blooper. <laughs> this is the legal language. You know, what the lawyers write and what I need to read to you. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. I'm just your friend. I am not a licensed therapist. And this podcast is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, professional coach, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional. Got it? Good. I'll see you in the next episode. Stitcher. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel